as well as those who give online. I have a special presentation that I want to do. This is Pastor Appreciation Month, and so we want to honor our pastors. And brother, would you please stay up there? You do such a good job. I think that keeps the atmosphere. Thank you. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, and if I could have one of um, the ushers uh, put three chairs up here. We want to honor the pastors that are in our first service that serve God faithfully with us. We believe that having a church takes people of leadership and high quality and character to make it run. We believe a church without high quality leaders and without high, uh, high character leaders, you don't have a church, you have a social club. And a church with high quality leaders and high character leaders, everybody say quality and character. Thank you. They got to have gifts and they've got to have uh, character. In the Greek Gifts is charisma. Everybody say charisma. So they got to have charisma and character. Quality and character. Gifts and character. You cannot just have people that have gifts. If they have gifts, they'll go and do wonderful things, but they'll hurt everybody in the process. They won't have the kind of life that you can look up to. They won't have a life that your family wants to emulate. So they'll be gifted, they'll be great, they may be good leaders, great singers, great counselors, but their life, their character falling apart, you don't want that. Then at the same time, as, as much as character is valued, you don't just want somebody that's a monk in a monastery that has great character and knows how to live for Jesus, but doesn't have the quality or the gifts or the charisma to be able to lead others. How many know you can have people who are of great character, but they don't know how to help you? They don't know how to give you good advice. They don't know how to serve you because they've lived for Jesus. They've done the right things, but they haven't had experience in being able to lead others, to be able to share life wisdom on Facebook. <laughs> Be able to come in and out of discussions quickly and reset and not hold it against the next person they're meeting with. And so what I want to do is I want to honor three of the best leaders you will ever meet in your life. And in a few moments when I announce them, I want you to give them a standing ovation. Not yet, but I'm preparing you. Because if I had my way, if I had my way, and I say this almost with tears, I would be in their church each one of them, I would serve under them. And I look back at the times, and God is sovereign, God is sovereign, but I look back at the times that I had to serve people of such less character, such less gifting, and I did it as a joy unto the Lord. But I always believed that I would see people of greater character and greater giftings, and I see those now today. And I would be in their church, I would be under their tutelage if I needed marriage counseling, I would do it with joy because I've done it with those who had less character and less quality. Not that they were bad people. Um, only a few of the pastors I've served with have committed adultery or done naughty things. Thankfully, over my life, I can say probably 90% of the pastors I've served with have kept their character and uh, their quality is something else. We'll talk about that later. But I thank God most of my friends have kept their character. But these that I'm about ready to name, I want everyone to hear me when I say this. 
they are my pastors. When I first started the church, I had to have pastors outside of this church to be my only accountability. And they did it with joy. And they were of great character and quality. Pastor Anthony Freeman of New Orleans. I've been in a spiritual relationship with him since I was 19 years old. 19 years old. So when anybody asks you, who is your pastor accountable? I've been accountable to the same man since I was 19 years old. And when we had the church, he joyfully, first started the church, he joyfully was on our board to protect us, to make sure we were doing the right things. And then another man, who he's known me since I was a child because I was in his church, Pastor Ron Allen of Fort Wayne, Indiana. We just played phone tag this week. He has known me since I have been probably 10 years old, 35 years. He served on our board as well. So I just want you to hear that about my reputation with men of God. Not a couple days, not a couple years, decades. Same ones, same ones. And we talk all the time or we're in communication as often as we can. But I want you to hear my heart. It was a great joy when we began to see elders in the church raise up and we could do what the biblical principle is. And both of those men believe in that biblical principle, which is that churches need to be independent and autonomous. We do not believe in a hierarchical structure that comes from without the church. We believe that it's within the church. Would you please put up the front page of our website? Some of you may not recognize this language because maybe you haven't visited our website, but I want you to see it. It's part of who we are. And when you read the homepage, we are an independent Pentecostal church. Does everybody understand that? What that means is there is no denomination over us. Even in the churches that we plant in Miami and in Dallas, they willingly, of their own accord, place me on their board until that they can replace me with the elders that they raise up. They will then, as they are now, continue to always be in a voluntary relationship with us. Why do we believe in such church structures? Because every time we've seen central power in the church, it's always been corrupted. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. I'm not against some of the great denominations that are out there. By the way, during these times, you get some church history lessons and some church government lessons. Is that okay? We don't just do church as normal around here, amen? We're not just handing out some gifts and moving on. You're going to get a little bit of the big picture here because oftentimes we are accused of not doing things the way other people think. This is not a democracy. Members do not have votes. We do not do membership. We do discipleship. This is a Presbyterian church, though I tease you, with a Pentecostal flair. What that means is, is we are ruled and governed by Presbyterios, Presbyterians, elders, bishops. These are synonymous in the New Testament, these two terms, episkopos and Presbyterios, presbyters and elders, and bishops is another old English word of saying that. We believe that the church has to be independently ruled. Why is that? Because what happens when the leader of your denomination goes astray? And then now he affects every church underneath him or her, right? And so to avoid schisms, to avoid those things, we already start at day one independent. So we do not need to assert our independence. We are independent. And so what that means is we govern from within. Now somebody may say, well, Joe, what if all of the leaders turn bad? 
well, then this will be a sad day, and this church has been lost. But the good towards the church of Jesus Christ is the next independent church hopefully will not be lost. And because we fell, they will not fall. And that one continues on. It's like biblical manuscripts. Our manuscripts were sent all across the world. Some were corrupted, some were preserved. But just because some were corrupted doesn't mean the others were not preserved. Now we gather them together, and we are thankful for the ones that were preserved. When you look at the people of Israel, some were righteous, some were corrupted. When you look at the early church, read the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. Some churches fell, other churches stand or stood. Can I hear an amen? And so that's why we stand on the principle of this. Now, having said all of that, please put up the scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 When I say to you that I honor them, I'm saying to you I honor them in the same way that I honor those relationships that I've had for 20, 30 years. Why? Because the moment a person is qualified as a biblical elder, you do not have to prove yourself anymore. You have to walk worthy of your calling, but your eldership is not something that is dependent now upon how much you can compare to another elder. So in other words, I am an elder seated in this local assembly. It doesn't matter if two blocks down the road there's a smarter elder, a more experienced elder, or just a better preaching elder. It doesn't matter. I'm still an elder nonetheless. Can I hear an amen? And so what we have to understand is that the elders that we have in this independent church that you choose to attend, and the Bible even says in 1 Timothy, this same book, can you put up another tab, please? Chapter 3, verse 1, if you desire to be an elder, you actually desire a noble task, and it is not to be discouraged. So we are not to have cliques in our leadership. But we are to look at those who desire it or aspire to it. Look at, here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. So we are to encourage you if you feel this call upon your life. Now, for our sake, in the 21st century, we distinguish different kinds of elders and what they do. If you stick around long enough, we might distinguish among deacons. Right now, we just have one kind of deacon. But if you look at the early church, there were elders that had different job assignments. And so we look at those that primarily work secular jobs with their focus in those fields, but serve as guidance in the church. We consider those people governing elders. We consider those who have gone on to get Bible education and have become professional in the ministry to be pastoral elders. And then those who go and start other churches like Paul did, we consider those to be like apostolic elders. Any evangelist or prophet or teacher could fall into one of those three categories. So we don't have teaching elders, etc. We just wanted to make those three general elders so that people would understand what the elders are doing. But nonetheless, as we go back to that scripture in 1 Timothy 5, 17, they're all elders. So it doesn't matter if I'm a apostolic, the first one here kind of elder, or whether or not it's Jared, a professor who's beat me in the Bible quiz game now, teaching kind of elder. It doesn't matter if it's the prophetic kind of elder. We're all just elders. And once again, elders can be looked at like parents. Not that you're going to call us father or mother. Relax, we're not going there. 
I just want to thank uh, Papa for being such a good pastor. I've heard some of those things. We're not going there today, you know. Um, and in the Latino church, I've actually heard that they have called some of their pastors, Papi. No, we're not doing that here. I even feel weird when people say, Papa God, even though I do that sometimes, but it's so weird to me. We're not going there. But think about it like this. Parents are, your, your parents are, are in your life there to help you and to guide, guide you, and you're to respect and honor them. You may not always agree with them, but you're there to love them. You're there to support them. Now, you can leave them at any time and go off and do whatever you want. But if they're good and they love you and care for you, spending your life with them will be beneficial. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And from all the parents, you don't want your children to leave. You want them to stay in your life and to willingly accept that advice. Now, over the years, I've had talks with my parents, things that I've agreed with, things that I've disagreed with. But you know, the thing that I can always say with my parents, because I have Christian parents, you know what I can always say? Is that they loved me and that everything they did for me was for what they felt was best. And so whatever mistakes they've made along the way, not that a mistake is necessarily a good thing, but I would rather have those kinds of mistakes than no one to care about me. Can I hear an amen? See, if no one cared about me, I would have no mistakes to complain about, right? But then I would have none of the love and the affection that I've had. And so in relationship with people that you trust and that you look up to, you'll always feel at different times, I could do things better. I know things that they don't. And I disagree with such and such a thing. And can I tell you something in the church? That's perfectly normal and acceptable. There's nothing wrong with that. Throughout the years, Brother Anthony and I have had discussions and debates. We've differed over things. We've had arguments. We've raised each other. We've raised our voice at each other. We've had to say things where we've come back and repented to each other. But once again, almost with tears in my eyes right now, I wouldn't trade that relationship for anything. Because I look at my friends who have no pastor, who have no leader, and thank God somebody loved me enough to yell at me. Hey, you cared about me. You didn't want me to be a knucklehead. Thank you, Brother Anthony, for yelling at me. It's okay, you apologized. We moved on. But you loved me. I'm not talking about hurt and abuse, but you know the difference, right? And with tears in my eyes, I'm telling you, I, I've seen so many of my friends who are pastors, and they come to me, and they say, man, I wish I had what you had with Brother Anthony and others. And I said, you know what? You just got to find a good one and stick around them for a while. You just got to stick around them. You get around their family. You see how they are. You make your decisions then on your family, but you stick around them, and God uses the church that way. And so the people that I am about ready to present to you after we read this scripture, stick around them for a while. Love them. Let them enjoy life with you. Now, what you may notice in just a few moments is that they're going to be younger than your average pastor these days. But, you know, the Bible says, don't let anybody, talking to Timothy, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. And so anyone, and I want you to hear this again with also tears in my eyes, that anyone who says, Joe, I want your advice more than their advice because you're older and have been around longer, you hurt me in ways that you do not know. Because I started as a 22-year-old pastor, and I asked people to respect and honor what I was doing then. And so to see now that the young that we've raised up that the sacrifices that they make in their time to not be appreciated and that someone like me has to come and appease someone in a meeting, not only 
breaks my heart, but it disgusts me because I remember being 22 years old and people talking to me like that. Well, who's your leader? I want to talk to your denominational leader. I want to talk to the person on your board. And I'm thinking to myself, they don't even know you. <laughs> they don't even know you like I know. Why do you want to bring them into Well, because you're young. I don't know. I don't trust you yet and all these things. And I said, another man that you don't know telling you to trust me after I've preached to you on the streets, after I've spent time with you, that's going to help you? No, my friends, in a time where trust is hard to come by in the church, and trust, and, and trust me when I say I understand, I don't like abuse, I don't like cover-ups, I hate sin, and I think it should always be exposed. I'm not intimidated by any of it, amen? I like people who do that in the church, that's great. You don't bother me. You can expose and do all of those things. But to do it to the point where now we put a skepticism in everybody's heart, you know, like pastors are all the same. None of them can be trusted. The devil's a liar. Like I said, I've walked with a man now. He's almost in his 70s, or I mean, he's almost in his 80s. He's got to be in his mid-70s, Ron Allen. Like I said, we played phone tag today. Some of you have seen him come by. We need to get him back in Jesus' name. So Lord willing, when I talk to him, I'll have him come back. Pastor Lay Rierna, he's a person that came later on in my life, but how many have appreciated him, the pastor to the Philippines that we support? Let me just tell you something, my friends. Integrity is something that is hard to come by. And so when you find it in young people, encourage them. Because one day they will be 70. One day they will be 60. I don't want to speak that like as a negative. I want them to grow old, you know, but they're not old now. But listen, they'll get gray hair eventually. They'll, they'll do all of that eventually. But you know what? What would it have been like to know Pastor Ray, Ray Lierna when he was 28 or 30 or something? You know what I'm saying? What an honor to have walked with him from 30 to 70. And just speaking about Pastor Ray and honoring him even during this time, whenever he comes around, he calls us up, and he always says, well, I have to go now to this next thing, to the next thing. You know what he's doing? He's going to spiritual sons and daughters that are my age all over the city. Wouldn't that be an honor to have these kind of relationships with these folks? I pray that you keep these relationships. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. That's financial support and our respect. Financial support and respect. That's the double honor. Especially those who work is preaching and teaching. Because there can be other elders serving behind the scenes as administrative and so forth. But especially those who you see preach and teach. And in, in our case, all of these elders preach and teach. For Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Though these elders that are coming before you may not like, in this sense, to be compared to an ox. They are working hard for us, and we ought to bless them. And the Bible says, the worker deserves his wages. Then it says, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that the elders, others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels, because angels are present even in this place watching us, even though the Holy Spirit knows everything, he still uses angels, to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. And so our elders here, along with my wife and I, are held to the highest level of character. And if at any time their character is out of order, we correct and rebuke and reprove. And if you see there, there is a continuation in that sin. See, the sinning, 
The word sin has the I-N-G, the continuation. Then they are to be brought before elders and say, let's deal with them. Otherwise, if every time I'd have made a mistake, I had to be publicly rebuked, we would have to have another section of our service called Time to Rebuke Pastor Joe Now. <laughs> which some people would like. Here I sit in the corner with the dunce hat. You said this scripture wrong. You did this to your wife this week, and we rebuke you. Are you ashamed of your sin? Yes. Will you do it again? No. They hand me the mic. Okay, now you can go back to preaching. Does everybody see this is not saying any time an elder sins, we just bring them out before everybody and go, let's just talk about this elder's sin now. The, does everybody see that? That's not the intentions here. The sinning is in the ongoing sense. We've talked to you about how you treat your wife, and your wife says it has not changed. We need you to sit down now. We'll let the congregation know this is why they're sitting down. And so it's a specific kind of reproval towards elders that don't want to work on their issues but want to keep being elders. And then the Bible says deal with them. And so in our church, our elders keep the other elders accountable. And if there are need of other outside elders, we can bring those in as needed. And thank God we have never had to do that. Even when our pastors have made mistakes, they have either stepped down on their own, confessed them, and didn't need that kind of public rebuke because there wasn't a continuation, or they simply dealt with it in those moments. And I thank God for that good reputation that we have here. Amen. That's been our reputation. Praise God for almost uh, 20 years coming on that. And I thank God about my, myself. I'm also above reproach. I remember um, one time someone tried to come to Brother Anthony about some petty things in the church. And uh, he, he basically said, I don't deal with that pettiness. Get, grow up and you know, get a life. And so sometimes people think that, that we're going to have a Jerry Springer show. Well, pastor said this and I don't like it. We're gonna, no, no, we don't do Jerry Springer. Go somewhere else. The pastors that I've served have the gray hair, the shape, the sheep bites, and a twitch in the eye every now and then to prove they've been through some battles, okay? So they, they don't care about the petty. Did he steal from you? Did he teach false doctrine? Is he living in continual sin? Are the people that we know and love in that church, are they seeing the sin? Do you have something naughty? I mean, where is that? Other than that, we, we got to go on to ministry here, you know, uh, and, and, and we do that in all grace and truth. And once again, that's your choice to attend a church like this. Um, I hear from pastors all the time that they have a different approach to things, and the pastors are subjugated to that. And let me just say this. Have you ever studied the suicide rate among pastors? I have. Have you ever looked at the depression among pastors? I have. And it's no wonder when you see some of them in the way they're treated. I would recommend anybody, anybody here interested in the life of pastors, get the book, Well-Intentioned Dragons, and look at how in the church pastors have been abused over the years, and it messes with them psychologically. I remember the first time I was in a denominational church working there, and they had a members meeting. And, you know, I'm a regular attendee of the church. Uh, had been there for a few months, going to both services, meeting people at the door, shaking people's hands. And when they had that members meeting, I didn't recognize half the people going to the mic. But they had something to say to our pastor. And I even remember saying to my pastor, do you want me to talk to them? Like, do you want me to get up and start doing something? Like, Because I just was just blown away that they had to endure this. And he goes, no, this is just one of our meetings. <laughs> Could you imagine doing that to the Apostle Paul? Have you heard of Hymenius and Alexander? They're the ones who turned against Paul. Could you imagine them, you know? Hello, my name's Hymenius, and I have a problem with this guy. I got a problem with... Now, I understand town halls and things need to happen, 
But my friends, there has to be something sacred about our leadership. You know, and then they just yell at, okay, well, thank you, brother. You know, okay, thank you for your time. All right, that's what we're, that's what, that's what churches, no wonder, and I say this with all respect, no wonder they're just as depressed as any other occupation, sometimes on higher levels now. And their suicide rate is going up. No, brother or sister, talk to an elder private. That's how the Bible says. Go to someone, bring your accusation. If it's not worth our time, we're moving on. If not, go to another church. There, there is nothing about this that's obligatory towards you. And so we believe that these elders that serve with us, they deserve our double honor today. They've got some extra shekels in their bank account, and now we're going to give them a standing ovation. Are you ready? For Lauda Morales, come on up. For Lauren Sayinski and Catherine Escobar. They have something in common. They're young. They're female. They're radical. Amen. You may be seated, sisters. We have gifts for them right here. We can uh, maybe just set them to the side for a minute. You guys are ready to serve. This one can come on up. She can help mama. You guys may be seated. I'm going to ask that we get the other microphone. And instead of doing what is the town hall meeting where we yell at our elders, Let's do the style of what the Bible says and honor them. So I want us to get a microphone. Can we put it up on a stand right here so the shots can keep coming because we want to make sure they can have some memories of this. We want you, a microphone stand, please. Thank you. That's okay. Um, We want you to come up and say something good about one of these elders here. I'm going to give as much time as we need today, okay? So if anybody here wants to say something good about these elders, would you come up and stand behind this microphone stand and do that? And then we're going to pray for them, okay? So put that up there for them, and I'm going to sit down and let you guys be honored, and then I'm going to honor you guys. You guys are amazing. You guys are awesome. Thank you to all three. Um, I think all three of you have invested in me in many ways. I think the first one that's very obvious is that um, it's possible. It's possible to be a pastor. You know, <laughs> many churches don't believe that. Um, but women can also be pastors. That's one. Another one is that um, you've done it so well. Your example is like, wow, it's possible. I can do that. <laughs> I can be um young and I can be faithful to the Lord and I can lead many and be the example for many other women out there and um, and not just that but very loyal and I can see it in your relationship with your husband I see it with your relationship with others um, your faithfulness with the things that you've done in your ministries um, I think in all of you I've served under and so I thank you for for being who you are and accepting God's calling over your life because this is the fruit and um, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of your life. I had the privilege and honor to be in the midst of each of you. Um, so grateful for wisdom um, that you've poured into me, each and every one of you. Um, 
haven't been here long, but it doesn't take being here for so long to see strength and beauty, not like the world sees, but as the Lord ponders. So I'm grateful for each and every one of you, for how you pour into us, for how you love us, correct, even if I've never been corrected, but uh, you know, you, you know, you know how to walk. You know how to walk. <laughs> you know how to walk when you see it before you. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know how to walk right when you see it, right? So I'm thankful. I'm grateful. Love you all. Truly a blessing. Well, you guys are all great. You ladies are all great. Two of you know me for a long time. One of you know me for a very long time. But um, in every area of my life I've seen you guys have poured into me um, thank you Catherine for always yelling at me and rebuking me because it really helps me and it it shows me that like I I can do better and I see that people love me more um, and every in one of the hardest areas of my life and the seasons that I was in each and every one of you have poured into me and my husband in ways that we can't even fathom and it's just an honor to serve under you guys, sorry. I love looking up to you guys, how you guys serve, how you guys are there for everybody that comes to you. Even if you don't know them, you're just so open and ready to love them. And I think that's so beautiful when people, and um, your leadership is very genuine. And I'm so grateful to be under each and every one of you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Not only are you ladies beautiful on the outside, but you are beautiful on the inside. You are all three strong, beautiful, tender spirits, and just amazing. Like your leadership, your skills, whatever they are, you guys are amazing 100%. And I love that Abigail, also my daughter, has you to look up to, you know? You're her mentor, she gets to walk with you, and hopefully, like Pijo said to you, you're like 70 years old, my daughter can still walk next to you, you know? All of you guys, and Lauren, Lauren. <laughs> oh, my pastor, my BFF, my ride or die forever, literally forever. Um, from the moment that I came in this church, 2012, 2013, young, broken, single mom, didn't know what to do with my life. You took me right under your wing, and you've kept me there. And Look at how I flourished. <laughs> I Listen, I am who I am today, yes, because God, but because God placed someone like you in my life. And I needed that. I didn't need someone who was just going to say all the right things at the right time and just try to make you feel like such a great person because, you know, you're an in, uh, inspirational speaker or something. No, I needed the tough love. I needed the rebukes, the correction. I needed the encouragement. And you are all of that and a bag of chips. <laughs> so I appreciate you, all of you. I love you, ladies. I will, and I, I will, Lauren, walk beside you till you are 70, till you are 80, till you are 90. I will be there with you all the way. All three of you having such a blessing. <laughs> came here five years ago almost six and I thank you for always 
bringing me under your wing, for always encouraging me, mentoring me, and been there all, all the way. You know, here I am, married, <laughs> being a, a deacon. <laughs> Laura, in my most vulnerable moments as a mom, you were there. And I thank you because even there, you're still a pastor. You show that example and you give so much love and, and um, grace. You know, you're such an example, you know, to follow. And Catherine, thank you for being there for my family. <laughs> for all, all the talks we had, for all the moments we shared together. All three of you are really important to me. I look to all three of you, you know, you're special in my heart and I will continue this journey with all three of you. God will. Amen. Love you. Amen. I love all of you guys very much. When I used to run the streets, <laughs> believe it or not, Lauren would always message me at 3, 4 in the morning. I would be strung out on drugs. I would be high. And she'll say, where are you? And she would always tell me, you, will, you cannot find what you're looking for in the, in the streets that you would in Jesus. And I thank you so much for the rebukes. I feel like you get officially official at MPI once you get a rebuke, like a loving rebuke. But you've always been loving with it. You've always been correct. I, I call Lauren more than I call my mom, believe it or not. And I love you. You're so patient. Like you have this gift of grace. When people deserve hellfire, like bring down the rain, it's, let's give them grace. I want that in my life. I want to show that to people because you have been such an inspiration to me. From, ma from maid of honor to my one-on-one -on -one mentor, you're just wonderful. I love Catherine. We've gone to Bible college and just seeing her excel in the Lord is so amazing. I love you guys. Lauda, I love you. <laughs> You're the person I go to when it came to marriage and you and John. I tell, I tell my husband all the time, like, man, I've never seen people excel in the Lord so quick. And my husband told me it's because they're living a life unto Jesus. Like, that's amazing. I love all you guys so much and I thank you guys for your life. Hey. <laughs> Representing with y'all there. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, I'm so, so grateful for you guys, uh, each of you. Uh, I've been here over a little over two years now, and, uh, and you know, I, I can't thank you enough uh, for the grace that you show. Uh, anybody that can wrangle these three boys, uh, you know, you have great patience, uh, great dedication. Um, just, you know, you're like mother hens, you know. Uh, always dedicated to the one, those who are, you know, uh, that you lead uh, and those who God has uh, uh, entrusted you to. Uh, and I watch from afar, watch things that most people, you know, a lot of people don't really pay attention to. And it's always consistent, consistent. Lauren, uh, specifically, I am so grateful for you. Uh, you immediately, I, I got rebuked by Lauren twice. <laughs> Uh, which I am so grateful for because it showed me, uh, it showed me that this church stands for integrity and it stands for truth. Nothing less, nothing less than that. And that 
you know, it was a gentle rebuke. It wasn't a, you know, I couldn't even be mad. I, I'm like, man, I can't even get mad. Like, I really appreciate that. You know, uh, the, 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 the motherly instincts that you guys have is, it's, it's phenomenal. It's really phenomenal. Um, you know, being the, the, the wife of my, my mentor, and uh, I think that all of, all of this, how we met, how I met, I knew Drew before, I mean, for years, and how God just connected those dots in a way that only he can. I appreciate it. Uh, you guys all are, you, you rock for the Lord, and I really appreciate it. God bless you. Love you guys. Hello, women of God. Um, I'll try to make this short, but I do want to say thank you to all of you. I know that you all have your roles in the church. And Lauren, of course, I've known you uh, probably for the longest. I mean, I've seen you, I think, probably all the same amount, but probably like 201 connects us, I guess. I don't, but uh, I did want to say first memory, and just kind of as a reminder to everyone, when I first started coming to this church, first memory I have of you, actually, is somehow we were all in the kitchen, and you had, you were coming through the back, and you had like your headband on. And it was during this time that you were actually dealing with cancer. And just as a reminder to everyone in this church that by the grace of God, you are still here. And I thank uh, the Lord for you. And I know that you do a lot of things for this church. And everyone here uh, is just uh, so thankful. I know that I'm thankful. And just kind of uh, similar experiences as Jason has had. Um, I've had uh, my soft rebukes from you as well. Um, and a lot of times when I thought I would expect maybe somewhat of a harsher response, you've always been graceful. And because I know all of you three women are very similar uh, in your walks with the Lord, you are all dedicated. I definitely just want to encourage all of the women that are here to stay as close as you can to these women. I know that they will guide you right. They will lead you right. Uh, and everything that they would pour into you uh, would be pretty much the example, as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. These are women that you can follow as they follow the Lord as well. So I'm actually standing up here, and uh, it's really hard for me. I just want to put that out there. I know I evangelize, and I'm really bold on the streets. But <laughs> you know, this is worth it, though. This is worth the feeling of, because you guys, you guys, I've, all, I've learned, let me take a Little do you guys know, in the short amount of time that I've known you all, Catherine, I have yet to, to get to know you more, but from the distance I see woman of God, and some of you I've known more closer, I've been more closer to over these, uh, which soon to be is two years, right, being saved. And, and I wish, you know, I had known you longer. Like, I wish I never left MPI as a teen and, and came. I'm just glad to come back and to get to know you. I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting a little choked up here. I'm just so grateful that God has put woman of God in my life. I have never actually seen true woman of God like ever in my life. I know it's it's crazy, but people who actually serve God, 
people who have a heart for the kingdom, I've never encountered that until I came to MPI. And I'm just so grateful for that. Um, much like everyone has said, I'm just thankful for all of your example. Um, examples of your families and how you raised your children. As a mom, I've, I've come as, um, you know, being married and then having children. And you all have, have showed me how to be a mom unto the Lord. Uh, Lauren, you're just a, an example of how to do things in excellence. Uh, when I think of doing things unto the Lord, I think of you and, and how you make sure that everything is run properly and and all of your character and integrity is something that I look up to. Uh, Laura, when I think of your family, I'm just so thankful to see an example of a young married couple and how you run your businesses um, and how, do you, how you do all things unto the Lord. It's such a great example to my husband and I. And Catherine, we have literally gone through every stage um, together. When I, the first day that I came to MPI, I didn't know what I was walking into. Um, but my mother-in-law, she told me to go to the altar for prayer. And that day, Catherine happened to be open, and I went for her to, uh, for prayer. And then I gave my life to the Lord, and then we've been walking together every stage of our lives as friends, as deacons together in leadership, now as my pastor. Um, you are family to my family, and I know that we share that as, as having family members that we're not really close with. You're always there. My kids uh, see your kids as their cousins, as their siblings. And you and Daryl have just uh, walked with my husband and I through everything. And I just want to thank you all three for the example that you set for us as moms, as pastors, as leaders here in the church. My husband and I, I know my husband and I pray for you all, uh, pray for your families, pray for your marriages. And we're just so thankful that the Lord has placed you here and that we're here to follow in your example. Hi, I'm going to be quick, but I just want to say that I'm grateful for each of you in my life. And I'm grateful that I'm at a church and we're at a church where we know each and every one of you and where I know that the standard for godliness and holiness and doing things in excellence for the Lord will never be lowered. And I just want to say that I've felt your love and, and correction and in every challenge, um, everything that you've challenged me with, each and every one of you and any correction or rebuke. I really do feel your love and, and I'm grateful every time. Thank you. Man, I can say from the first moment that I walked into these doors, like, just seeing Lauren, I didn't even know who you are, and when I was going through 101, Jackie's like, hey, have you met Lauren? I'm like, no, I don't know who that is, but she's like, well, she's praying for you, you know, she's speaking life over you, and the fact that 
I was a new person that just walked through these doors that I thought like only the people of Elevate knew me. For you guys to pay attention and truly love on every person that walks through that door, you know, who feel like that they're not seen. I feel like, you know, like it's impossible to follow Jesus, but you guys are a perfect example, you know. The Lord has given you these titles for a reason. Laura, I remember the first time I met you, like you had so much joy. You were just so free. And then getting to serve with you in the village was just amazing to see how you, you know, how you are a woman of order and like how everything is so specific and articulate. And that's what we're called to do. You know, we're called to live like orderful lives. And Catherine, every time I walk into King's Kids, it's a joy to see you just serving there. And I haven't got to serve under you a lot because I'm not a part of King's Kids. But every time I walk into there, it's just amazing, you know, to see you guys just being able to really embody what we're called to have as women of God, you know. Every time I see you guys, you always show that love. I receive rebukes. <laughs> I've always received that love, you know. And knowing that it's a true heart and genuine heart. And because you care and you fear God and you want us to do the same. And I know that's where your rebukes, you know, where your love comes from. And it's just, it's amazing to see you guys up here and just be able to walk with you guys. And like PJ was saying, like, I want to continue to get closer to you ladies as I continue to get closer to the Lord, you know. And I want to be there when you guys are like 70, 80. So, yeah, I love you guys. Hi. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that I am very grateful to be able to have um, women of God who are strong, to be able to look up to them and to use you guys as my examples and to be able to follow you guys as you follow the Lord. And I just, I appreciate every single one of you, even though Laura, I don't really know you that much, but I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you very much. And Lauren, <laughs> um, I appreciate you a lot. And you are, um, believe it or not, you're like one of the top people that I really do look up to. Like you are very strong. And um, no matter what you go through, it just seems like you won't back down because you know who your foundation is built upon and you know that it's the Lord, it's his word and you're following what his word says, what his commands say and it's just, it's a beautiful thing and every time I look at you, it's just, I just see such a strong warrior, such a strong woman of God and I appreciate you so much and I look up to you so much so I just wanted to thank you Thank you for following the Lord, for being a beautiful example for us young youth, a part of Elevate. And um, yeah, I appreciate you, Lauren and Catherine. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> um, thank you for leading me, for pouring into me, for listening to whatever I have to say, and for rebuking me, for correcting me, for showing me what's right and what's wrong, and for leading me um, as you follow the Lord. And I appreciate you all so much. So thank you for being beautiful examples. And yeah. Amen. I thought we could go as long as you wanted, but I had no idea there would be so many. So I'm sorry, Hannah, and the rest of you. Um, yes, write it down, share it with them. Otherwise, I feel like someone's going to feel I didn't preach enough today. But I feel like that was the demonstration of the Word of God. You know, I gave you a scripture. 
of what it's like to honor, and now we're doing it. I know I was kind of torn, to be honest with you. I feel like I could have just went into second service, where unless everyone goes for uh, Berto and Griselda for the whole service, well, there is no end. I was going to say, unless that happens again, I would just have to end the service on demonstrating honor. I was going to preach the entire chapter of, of chapter 3 of Hebrews. But uh, I, think, I think we got it. And those of you that I paused, please don't take that personal. And I think you had a great idea, Hannah. Write it down, share it with them, and maybe even just publicly do it on their social media. I want to thank each one of you for being dedicated to the Lord. Each one of you are beautiful inside and out. Great examples to the uh, women of God here. You know I've always defended women in the ministry. So I defend you, and this is who I think about. And I've had precious women in my life that have changed my life. And I know that you've been a great impact to me and you're a great impact to others. I also love your husbands, and I want to honor each one. Daryl is Catherine's husband. John is Lauda's husband. And Andrew is Lauren's husband. All governing elders, which... When you're shuffling the deck, you may have picked it differently, but this is the way God did it. And which is amazing is now, Daryl, I don't know how much a Catherine has rubbed off on you, but I know you're in Bible college now to get that upgrade to pastoral elder. Amen. Come on. Amen. So we never know where this journey ends, but just want to thank the husbands. want to thank you all for serving. We had to stop putting all of our information on our website because... Uh, immature people stalked our people, and a lot of them have jobs outside of ministry. So they would stalk our pastors, try to get them to lose jobs. So that's why they're not there. So some of you who may be new are like, what are their positions? Uh, Lauren oversees all the administration of our church, and she's also over our children's ministry. Uh, Lauda is over our 201 and helps with all the discipleship. And by the way, all of their families do the counseling as well. So whenever you think of counseling, all of their families are involved in that because of the governing elders of the husband and the pastoral eldership. And then uh, Catherine is over the Elevate. So you have uh, children's, youth, and our discipleship. That's pretty important. Amen. Can we give it up for that? Praise God. And there are many other pastoral interns. If you're a pastoral intern and you're here, that means you've graduated from Bible college and you're wanting to be a pastoral elder. So the interns, would you stand up? Anybody else here? Okay. So we have Oscar. He was not sure if he was an el- a, a pastoral intern. I'm glad you're sure now. Uh, Des is there. And then Jackie, who did our transition today. Let's give it up for them. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up and pray for them. Father, let's all, as you guys stand as well. Father, I thank you for Lauren. Bless her, encourage her, pour out your spirit more upon her. May she be used in wisdom as she does the administration and oversees the children's ministry. God, I pray that you'll bless Lauda, Lord, as she leads our 201, as she has the heart of a teacher. I pray that she'll continue to fight, God, for the... um, the justice issues that are in her heart, and that she'll be a godly leader in that realm as well as entrepreneurship and all that you're doing in her businesses. Lord, and I thank you for Catherine. I thank you for her calling, God, to work in the youth ministry, to raise up young people, Lord. They're being so fruitful right now to open up their home, their lives, and I pray that you bless her and her family and all of these families financially. Bless them with peace. Bless them, O Lord, with your wisdom, and may they enjoy the seasons of life as many of them are starting their families and growing their families. Lord, I pray that you'll bless their children and their children's children. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Now we're going to give you our gifts, the presentation of the gifts. Amen. We'll get a good picture of you guys with the gifts. Let's get a picture of these wonderful pastors, and you guys can be seated as well. And uh, uh, ushers, would you guys help me out to move these chairs as they're done? 
And let's open up our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 11. How many are glad you came to church today? Amen. I'm glad that you're here. John chapter 11, let's go all the way down to, I believe, verse 45. This is our third week in the account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And what we see here at the end of the account is a division among the Jews. Everybody say division. Amen. That is the title of today's sermon, a sermon, division. John chapter 11, starting in verse 45. And brother, if you could make it a little bit bigger so everybody can read it easier as well as for me. Let's uh, give him a few moments to do that. As they take a nice picture right here. Amen. The world of social media. This is what it takes now to stay relevant. And these brothers are doing an amazing job. I appreciate them. So if you ever see a picture of me online, it's because of those awkward moments. And we do it because it counts. Amen. Like, it matters. People are like, want to see these things. So share if you care. As my brother makes this bigger, I want you to be able to look in your Bible and notice that there's going to be a division among these Jewish leaders. Jewish leaders of that time had options. They could have served Jesus or they could try to kill Jesus. Of course, there's other options. They could just let, let him be. But they didn't really know how to do that. Uh, is this as big as we can go today, brothers? Okay. All right. Well, let's look at John chapter 11, verse 45. Therefore, and I'm going to read the whole context today because there's not much for me to interject, but one, uh, one main story happening here. So I'm going to read it all the way to the end of verse 12. Therefore, Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus had did believed in him. That's the resurrection of Lazarus. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Tattletales, verse 47. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is, this, here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So there's a problem here about Jesus doing all of these good things because they're going to lose their clout with the Romans. How many know that's probably a good thing? They should stop being tied in with the Romans. Can I hear an amen? I mean, it's okay for them to have political influence, but if you're supporting the wrong political party or the wrong thing, that's not good political influence. And so here you see they're, they're worried about losing their power with the Romans, not, not caring that Jesus is doing all these signs and wonders. Hey, a person was just raised from the dead, but let's see whether or not we still have our same political power with the Romans. Let that be on our mind. The devil is a liar. Now, verse 49, then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. So that's how he talks to his companions there. You guys don't understand anything. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for the nation, but for also all those scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Some may say haters. haters. Amen. This is a true fact. People are going to hate on you. People hated on Jesus. Amen. You're going to have haters. And here now, they're going to want to kill him. And why do they want to kill him? Because they think it's going to be better for the nation. And yet... This is actually what God is planning to do. No surprise here. Everything is father-filtered. Verse 51, he did not say this on his own. Remember that God can use anyone to speak his word. It doesn't necessarily mean that they belong to God as God's child. God used a donkey before. And did anybody ever hear of, of Balaam's ass, as the King James says? 
Okay? Can you all handle King James today? I don't cuss, okay? I just speak King James. Balaam's ass, okay? How many have heard of that? Okay? So if God can use Balaam's ass, he can still use... He could still use you. I'll just say that. <laughs> I'm not going to say any other word, but you can fill a place. If God could use Balaam's ass, he can use yo, your butt. He could use you. I'll just say it like that. I'm looking at my sanctified brother right here because he don't like it when I walk on the edge. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The King James, King James will get you in trouble sometimes, okay? I could say other words, but I'm just going to move on while you guys are laughing, okay? But if God can use that, God can use anybody. So we're not supposed to look at just people who have gifts and talents as people necessarily living godly lives. Uh, there's a debate among us as Pentecostals how spiritual gifts actually work. So now that we're getting deep into uh, this subject over the last hundred years, Pentecostals being involved in brain studies and also looking at the New Age and different things, some Pentecostals believe that when the Scripture says gifts and callings are without reproach, that God naturally, supernaturally blesses us. And so that in our nature, there's a supernatural component. And so that some who turn to the dark side are not necessarily getting powers from the devil. They're uniting gifts that God has given them with the devil. So in other words, the devil could never do it to begin with. He could give information and things like, like they wouldn't know, obviously, I mean, because the devil would know certain things. But these gifts were actually God's gifts. And so it's whether or not spiritually gifted people, there could be everyone with spiritual gifts in these ways, or certainly called people that have these kind of outstanding gifts, and they can either unite them to the dark forces or unite them to God. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we still believe is initiated with speaking in other tongues, is surrendering those gifts to the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean that more gifts can't come on from laying on of hands. Like I said, it's a discussion among Pentecostals. I am like 50-50. What day of the week is it? I'm taking that side. You know, I mean, who said the most compelling argument? But it's just something to think about, that how a man could prophesy and he's not right with God. How could he hear such a thing and speak it? And so it almost seems like we're radio antennas and we can hear different influences and use those gifts and talents that God has given us. Because once again, a singer has a gift, and that singer can use it for good or bad, right? Well, maybe spiritual gifts are that same way. That's just the simple argument there. If I could have back up the scripture, brother, thank you. And so that's just something to think about when you see people doing spiritual things. Don't follow their lives because they have spiritual gifts. Follow their lives because they follow the Holy Spirit and God's word. Okay, because if you start following gifts, you could be in the new age very quickly. And once again, I don't know how you feel about that, but I believe a lot of that is real. And I believe that a lot of that is demonically influenced with the natural gifting that God has given them, just in general. Like, I don't know specifically how it works, but it does seem compelling to me that the devil takes advantage of God's gifted people. And so just like, you know, a singer can use that gift for evil or for good, use your gifts for good. Amen. Amen. So verse 54, therefore Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. So here's a region now he can't go into because they want to kill him. Remember, not all bravery is facing your enemy head on. There are times to walk away from your enemy. Now, this may seem counterintuitive to all of us machismo Americans, let's fight till we die, you know. There's a part of bravery that is that, but sometimes you need to walk away from your enemy. You need to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. Some of y'all sinners singing it with me. No, I have to get in here. 
You better count your money. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. This is no country song. Some of you know. Come on. And, you know, you need to know when to, uh, you know, walk away, know when to run, you know. And, and sometimes you got to walk away from your enemies. Not every battle is a battle for you to fight. You don't owe that to everybody. I'm realizing that now later on in life that I don't owe everybody a battle. You know, you got to pick your battles. You, you only have so much time in the day. Pick your battles. Right now, is Facebook where you want to be fighting your battles? Most of us don't want to be there. It's, that's like so 2005, okay? All your friends know what you believe now. Is it worth another half hour, hour? That's up to you. Sometimes it is. I purposely had left the social media world for quite a while. The Lord brought me back. We're starting a new YouTube channel. What do you believe? You can find it on my page. I posted it up there. And show enough, the moment I put it up there, people want me to die, flicking me off. Literally, want me to die. Like, that's where it goes for them. It, it, it's like either they can support me or kill me. Like, they don't understand there's a middle ground. Just leave me alone, <laughs> right? It's like either we support them or we kill them. I don't know. But hey, guys, there's a third option. You could just keep scrolling. That's a third option. And I don't want to put the vulgarity up here, but for laughs and giggles later on today, you know, uh, you know, or when you're sitting on the throne, if you know what I mean, just scroll through, scroll through how people reacted to me talking about a woman saying, I want to kill my baby, you know? Like, they, they just lost their mind. They went right to the, the right to the, well, I want to kill you. You're, you're, I bet your family wants to die. Not that I want to kill. They, would, they wouldn't say that. They say things like, I hope you die, and your family wants you to die, and you're a waste of life, and these kinds of things. That's all they can do, right? The haters can only do this when they don't have rationality. And so you got to decide what battles are worth you staying and fighting. Jesus is like, I have a plan. I have a mission. There's other places for me to go, to reach. I don't need to stay here and fight this battle. I'm going to move on. And if you look in the scriptures, there's times when the disciples left area and shook off the dust, and then there's times they died in those areas. Just ask the Lord, is this a hill to die on? And it may be on Facebook. I don't want to put you down for that. I've been there. Sometimes there's hills to die on. Sometimes somebody just, you know, needs to be responded to in that way, but other times you just need to block them and move on. Amen? You decide whether or not you're sending them to the block party or you're going to handle your business. Amen? All right. So he can't go in this area anymore because we believe he's being led of the Lord, and the Lord is saying, it's not time for you to die, so don't go there. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness to a village called Ephraim where he stayed with his disciples. Verse 55 and onward. And thank you for uh, doing the text there, my brother. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. Now, just notice this here, history. The gospel is not just giving us the teachings of Jesus, but the history of Jesus. Always remember, you're reading history here. Okay, so the Bible should be treated and honored as that. And sometimes people try to find the mistakes here. But I'm thankful that they can even do that. So we're not just so esoteric with our head in our clouds where Jesus' sayings are all that we preserved. We preserve the timelines here. And a lot of times when people say, well, the timelines don't match. And I teach this in Bible college, you know, harmonizing the gospels like a surround sound. I say to them, well, isn't that a good problem to have? I mean, harmonize, you know, Gilgamesh, you know, har har harmonize, you know, uh, you know, Krishna's life, harmonize these people's life. They, they're just in myth. This is obviously telling you this is not myth. The very fact that you have historical events happening for you to be able to check on it shows you these men took it serious. They were not just saying Jesus was doing uh, just these miracles, floating on the clouds, sending back up to heaven, you know, doing like these mythological things. No, he's now going to a place, and this is going to be the buildup for his crucifixion, the Passover. He's the Passover what? 
Lamb. Okay, we're going to try that again. The answer is lamb. He is the Passover lamb. Remember, John, remember chapters we read earlier, class? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, John's building us up here. He's telling us the story. It's based in history. This is going to be symbolic, but it's also going to be a fulfillment. In actuality, the symbols are going to be fulfilled and no longer just symbols. We are now not just seeing the shadow. Now we're seeing the reality. He is the Passover lamb. So he goes up there as it's getting ready for this, for the ceremony washing, you know, and that's the time. He's going to go there, verse 56, and the next chapter he's going to head, head, head in there, verse 56. They kept looking for Jesus, these Jewish people, and as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, what do you think? Highlight that phrase. That's the new uh, TV show. Instead of what do you think, uh, the new YouTube channel that I've started, not what do you think, but what do you believe? These are good questions to ask. Not everybody asking questions is a skeptic. It's good to ask questions. And it's even, be, it's even good to be skeptical of things at certain times in your life. But are you willing to learn? Are you an ornery skeptic or are you a humble skeptic? See, I don't understand everything about science. So I come there as, as a humble skeptic. Like if they say something I don't understand, I'm like, I want to understand that. I don't want to be ornery and be like, oh, that can't be, you know, it can't work that way. No, how, why would I even do that? I don't even understand that. You know, I don't, I don't get it. I need to be humble. And so there's, there's a part of them that are actually like humble. They're wanting to see what's going to happen next. Not every Jew wanted to kill Jesus. A lot of them did, but not everyone wanted to. So then they're asking, what do you think? What do you believe? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? And he is going to come. He's going to come in just a little bit. And then what are they going to do? You're going to kill him. You're going to kill him at that festival. We're going to find out real quick what's going to happen. But they're curious, like, what is Jesus going to do about this? But the chief priests, those in charge, and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. How many know where this is going? Can I hear an amen? Now, what's going to be amazing about John, just to prepare you for the chapters ahead, is that John is then going to take us through a long, extensive teaching of Jesus that we don't find in any other of the Gospels. If you were normally reading this in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'd be getting ready for the crucifixion. It would be happening in the next chapters, you know, the betrayal, uh, the prayer at the Mount uh, of Gethsemane, and all of those other things, like your your, Mount of Olives, rather. You're, You're going to see all of that. But what John is going to do is he's going to hit pause on that and show us an extension of Jesus' teachings we never heard before. And the reason is, and this is my personal opinion, everybody can can have it, is is that I believe John wants to fill in what the synoptics have not said. I I believe more than likely the synoptics have come before him and he's heard how this is being told. Mark is the reteller of Peter. Matthew, obviously, is the tax collector. And we don't know necessarily if Luke was around at that time, but Luke was going around to the eyewitnesses putting together his story. And that's pretty much what they had at that time was, was Matthew and Mark, Mark or Matthew being one of the first ones written. And so what I believe John is doing, because I believe this is a later gospel, is he's now seeing, okay, you guys are all telling this part of Jesus's story, but I want to fill in parts that you guys have not told that are important to the church and that everybody needs to know. And at the end of John's book, he's the one that's going to say, if everything was written down, all of the books wouldn't be able to contain it in the world. So that's why I believe we're going to learn something new uh, about Jesus in the 
next coming chapter. So I would just encourage you, if you want to read ahead, to go from chapters 12 all the way through chapter 17, because that's all going to be primarily unique information to the book of John. Now, going back here quickly in the time that we have left in verse 45, here is the, 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 the sermon title found in these two verses. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, believed in him, but some went to the, uh, some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So there's the mixed reaction. Now go quickly with me to Luke chapter 12, verse 49, as we get Daryl back up, and I have to somehow land this plane now in Jesus' name. Um, please come for second service if you want to hear the entire book of, uh, the entire chapter 3 of Hebrews. Otherwise, I think we had a good service. Amen. I want you to see what is happening here. As we went through the narration, there's a division. People are asking, what do you believe? What do you think? The most important thing is, what does God think? The most important thing is, what is Jesus doing according to God's will? Because there were false prophets at that time. There were false messiahs. But is Jesus one of them? No, he's not. Go up to verse 8, please, and just see the context of what Jesus says here. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. How you settle the Jesus question will determine your eternal fate. So it's not just, ah, what do you think? Now you just go off and do your own thing. Whenever I talk to people about Jesus on the streets and they go, oh, man, you make a compelling case, and then I go, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm just going to go back down to the street and keep doing what I'm doing. I'm like, you don't understand how important this is. This is not the question of, of who's the GOAT, you know, the greatest of all time of basketball, LeBron or Jordan. This is not something you can remain undecided on. Who's the best boxer, Tyson or Muhammad Ali? No, no, this is not something you just go, oh, oh that was a good five-minute talk. I appreciate it. No, no. Listen, what you do with Jesus determines your eternity. And this not only goes for those Jews who are wishy-washy, this goes for us. What we do with Jesus will count for eternity. What will we do with them? Because many, like myself in this generation, are asking Jesus to do miracles. Jesus, raise the dead. Do it in front of us like you did it in times past, not just over there in another country or something that only happens for a few. Do it in front of large crowds, God. Uh, you know, Lord, open eyes of blind people. You know, draw attention to yourself. Okay, if that's our prayer, are we ready for what happens when attention is drawn? What was the response of a part of the Jewish population when they saw Lazarus raised from the dead? Let's all follow Jesus. No, a part of their response is now let's kill Jesus. And in the following chapters, you know what you're going to hear. Not only do they want to kill Jesus, they want to kill Lazarus. This guy's going around testifying. Let's kill him now too. Imagine that. You were the one raised from the dead. That's a good day, right? That's a good day. You're raised from the dead. And now you're on their most wanted list. What did I do, Caiaphas? You got raised from the dead. I'm killing you. Well, I've already been there. I'm not really afraid of it, but what, what's the point, you know? But think about that. You became, Lazarus became an enemy of the Jews because he was raised from the dead. Same with the blind man. Remember we read in, in chapters prior, the blind man, he's getting thrown out of the temple. He can't go there anymore. His family's getting thrown out. Man, what did I do? You told us you were healed, but I was. <laughs> what do you want me to do? You want me to lie? I was healed. Come on. See, we think revival is going to put us on the covers of magazines. It might, it might put us into jail. We want to go fill up the stadiums like Billy Graham, but our stadiums might get filled up like the arenas of the Colosseums of Rome being fed to lions. What are you going to do with Jesus, brother or sister? 
on your job. Well, I want to win my four friends to the Lord. Well, what happens if your LGBT friend gets one to the Lord and now comes and testifies to everybody at their job that I'm no longer homosexual, I'm redeemed in Christ, I'm no longer transgender? Are you ready for the backlash of what will come out of that on your job? Talk to some of the sisters that testified here or the brothers that have gone through that. The very ones who were supporting them now want to kill them. It brings a division. I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man, uh, I, excuse me, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before uh, others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the sons of the angels of God. The Son of Man will acknowledge that person. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will, uh, will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how to defend yourselves or what you shall say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Go up just a few more verses there, my brother. I just want to show this here. A second service is coming. How many know they're the rowdy bunch? Amen. Now go to verse 49. Now go to verse 49 quickly of Luke chapter 12. Look at what he says here. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what restraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? I thought that's what it says, in peace and goodwill towards all men. Yes, in the kingdom of God. But if you're not in the kingdom of God, it's going to bring division. Jesus said, no, I, came, I tell you, I came to bring division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. How many know that's already happening now? That's a sign of the prophecy being fulfilled. Half kid, mother-in-laws, we love you. Okay, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Notice this, that a part of our standing up for Jesus, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles will be division. Will you stand for Christ? What if one of your children catch wind of this, this doctrine that's going around of transgender and they come and say they want it and then you stand against it and then the authorities come against you and try to remove them from your family? How far are we away from that right now? How far are we away, you know, where are we away in the COVID time before children started reporting their, uh, their parents, well, they don't want, the, they don't want the, uh, the vaccine for me. You know, they don't want to get, well, let's get you out of that home. How soon is it until the, the mothers betray the children? Mothers, even in this church, are not happy that their children come here. It's not all dandy and roses now. Some parents don't want their children in this church. What will you do during those times? What will you do when your coworkers, your bosses, your employees turn against you? My friends, take this time of peace, relative peace, because I know some are even suffering now, but take this time of relative peace to pray and to seek God and to say that you'll pay the price for whatever it is to see revival. If seeing Lazarus raised from the dead means division comes, then raise the dead, Jesus, I'm ready for the division. Amen. I'm ready to be acknowledged in heaven. Lord, if this is what it takes, I won't, be, I won't be flippant with my life. I'm not going to have a martyr syndrome and go look for suffering in that way. But, Lord, if the division is part of what it takes to see my family saved, as half of them disown me, then, Lord, save that half and then to deal with the other half. Because you can't stay neutral in this fight. It's a spiritual warfare. Yes, it's flesh. It's not against flesh and blood, but against these powers and principalities. But the flesh and blood will manifest against you. Mother-in-laws will turn against daughter-in-laws. Daughters will turn against mothers. Where are you going to be on this? What do you think? 
What do you believe about Jesus? Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. When they said that in that world, that was their death sentence. Jesus is Lord. But how many know when you stand with Jesus, even if you're a minority, you have the greatest majority on your side, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Even though on earth you may stand alone or with a very few, but you have the multitudes of heaven on your side. Would you stand up today and give it up for Jesus? Amen. Can we bless the King of kings and Lord of lords today? Band and altar workers, would you come please? Hallelujah. We stand with you, Jesus. We pray for revival. We pray for the awakening of this nation. And we ask you, O Lord, to use us, whatever the cost. Would you pray that bold prayer today? Some fights you'll face head on, others you're going to walk away from. But would you determine today to be in the perfect will of God, whatever comes? With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you don't know Jesus yet, if your personal Lord and Savior, just repent of your sins today. Ask him to forgive you. Pray a prayer like Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died on the cross, rose again. Forgive me of my sins. I repent and confess you as Lord. If you do that today, you will be saved. In these next few moments, you could come up and receive prayer. For those of us who are already Christians, would you raise up your hands and say, Lord, use me in these final hours. Use me in these last days. Let me not grow weary. Let me not get discouraged. Let me not turn my back on you. Give me strength, oh God, to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. Lord, help me to handle every divisive situation in my life, oh Lord. Give me the power of the Spirit right now. Come on, say, I acknowledge you, Jesus. All Christians, say, I acknowledge you, Jesus. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm not ashamed of you. People come and go, but you remain the same. You're the anchor of my soul. I love you because you first loved me. Father, I thank you for this service. I thank you for all the honor that was displayed. I thank you for the gospel message and the souls that were saved and disciples made. We pray now as we move from this place, but not your presence, that, Lord, we will know that divisive times may come. But, Lord, if we stand by you, you'll acknowledge us. You will know us. And that's all that matters is that we're on your team today. Help us to be world changers, history makers, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. If you're going to go bring the kingdom of God somewhere today, can I hear an amen? Amen. You are dismissed first service. Thank you for your patience today in this great service. Please go out our side door as second service folks come in from the lobby. Greet one another.